Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Matthew chapter 17, reading from verse 1 to 9, the transfiguration. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up. And do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And Father, may I now speak in your name, such that your kingdom, your name is glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please be seated? And we pray too for our young people, um, our teenagers, those at secondary school age, have their afternoon service. This is the third Sunday of the month, so they have an afternoon service, I think, at three o'clock, or is it four o'clock? Four o'clock, four o'clock. So... Um, that's why they're not going out. I wonder if I asked you the question, who do you think Jesus is? What would be your response? It was a question that Jesus asked his own disciples himself in the chapter preceding the chapter of our gospel reading, Matthew 16. Can we have slide one, please? Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But if you ask many people out there in the secular world, they will give answers like this. When you ask, who do you think Jesus is? They'll say, Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a great moral philosopher, the best moral ethicist. Jesus was a good man who lived 2,000 years ago. Well, saying Jesus is a great teacher concedes something nice about Jesus, but perhaps it's simply a way of avoiding acknowledging his rightful claims on you and me. 
C.S. Lewis hit it on the head when he said this. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You see, many people try and say there are different ways to God. And I came across this story, which I think sums up some aspects of why that is not correct. It was a story of an independent Baptist preacher who previously worked in an Atlanta post office located on a hill with several access roads. And during his time as a clerk, he would share his faith with customers, one of whom really bristled at the claim of Jesus as the only way to God. Preacher, said the customer, the way I see this business about heaven is this. We are all here at the post office this morning. You came up Covington Highway and out Candler Road, and you are here. So-and-so came through Panthersville, and he is there. I came through East Lake Park, and I am here. As long as we're sincere, we will all go to heaven when we die. What do you think about that? The preacher's succinct reply, there's only one thing wrong with it. When we die, we're not going to the post office. <laughs> there are many ways to the post office, but there's no back way to heaven. There is only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. The Bible is absolutely clear on that. And next slide, please. Jesus declared to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Are we going to revise this out of the Bible as well? As we're trying to revise so many other things? Or, as Peter said to the elders and leaders in Acts 4, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And this means if we call ourselves Christians, we also need to respond to Jesus' questions. Who do you say that I am? Peter, you've heard his answer in Matthew 16. You are the Christ. Next slide, please. You are the Christ, son of the living God. There is only one Jesus of Nazareth. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, not by the way a created being. We need to remember that. He was in the beginning with God. He is the Savior of mankind who paid the ultimate price for our sins so that we could have everlasting life. So who is Jesus for you? Transfiguration makes it abundantly clear to the inner core of disciples who Jesus is. He wasn't just their friend, not just their rabbi, their teacher, not just a man like themselves, but God himself. Jesus took 
with him, Peter and James and his brother John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Peter and James and John suddenly saw Jesus as he was in heaven. And I suspect they didn't even get the full impact. They were just seeing what they could cope with. They saw him full of the light of the glory of God. And unsurprisingly, perhaps, it echoes that time when Moses met God on top of the mountain. You remember the Israelites saw Moses ascend the mountain to meet God on Mount Sinai. And now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire shining on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Jesus being transfigured, echoing that first meeting of Moses with God. And the transfiguration rammed home to the disciples that Jesus was God in a way the miracles perhaps didn't. You see, Jesus taught the disciples to do miracles too. He sent them out two by two. He sent the 72. They, they came back absolutely awestruck. We did it in your name. We healed. We saw marvelous things happen. So they did miracles too. And the students might naturally have begun to think that they were like their teacher. But Jesus, shining with the glory of heaven, was a potent reminder etched in their minds that Jesus wasn't just like them. He wasn't just a great teacher. He was God himself. And that's why Peter says in our epistle reading, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths. It wasn't just a fancy story we made up when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it with our own eyes. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory saying, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So if Jesus is God, what claims has he rightly got on you today as his follower? Does it not behove each one of us to believe and follow his commands and his promises. And the fact that Jesus is God asks three questions of us. The first one is this, do we believe that he is in us? You will know these words from John's gospel. Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my words and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. His home is in you. Do you believe Jesus is God? The second question is this. Do we believe that we are now new creations in him, empowered by the Holy Spirit? I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. 
This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. And elsewhere he says he will lead you into all truth. He will be your advocate, your counselor, your guide. He will empower you. And the third question is, do we understand that we are called by him to go into the world as carrier of his, carriers of his presence and his kingdom? That when you go into the office tomorrow, or into the supermarket, or to that petrol station, or into that restaurant and share with the people on the table next to you, you are carriers of God's presence. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. And then this amazing, amazing promise. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Knowing who Jesus is, is the key to knowing our identity as daughters and sons of the King, as children of God. Being his adopted siblings, we are his brother, we are his sister. You see, Jesus is God rather than a great teacher. And that means everything must change and we must see him through that lens above all. Are we living in his presence from his residence in us? Somebody, I think it was Anthony, said, what's our level of expectation? Are we living each day expecting him to do wonderful things for us? Raj, teaching last weekend, reminded us, sure, she told us that every day she asked the Lord to set up encounters for her. Are we willing to do that? God, I want to be your willing hands, your willing feet this day as you wake up. And then watch out for that encounter, for that person you're going to meet in the office, at the petrol station, on the train, wherever you find yourself that day. If you've asked him already, if you're already communing with him, if you're already expecting, so he's going to minister through you and give you the opportunities to reach out to others. Everything must change. And you may have heard, as Maureen mentioned, quoting Victor, that about the happenings in Asbury this past week or two. Asbury, I'd never heard of before <laughs> this last week, but Asbury University is a small Christian college in Wilmore, Kentucky. And I've listened now to different accounts of what's going on. And this is an account by one of the professors of theology there, Tom McCall. He writes this. Since the student-led chapel on February the 8th, worship has been ongoing every day around the clock, attracting huge attention and thousands of people to what has been called the Asbury Revival. People were praising and praying earnestly for themselves and their neighbors and our world, expressing repentance and contrition for sin, interceding for healing, wholeness, peace, and justice. 
Many people say that in the chapel, they hardly even realize how much time has elapsed. It's almost as though time and eternity blur together as heaven and earth meet. And anyone who has witnessed it can agree that something unusual and unscripted is happening. There's no pressure or hype. There's no manipulation. There is no high-pitched emotional fervor. And he says, it's just one or two students strumming guitars, singing quietly. To the country, it has so far been mostly calm and serene. The mix of hope and joy and peace is indescribably strong and indeed almost palpable. A vivid and incredibly powerful sense of shalom. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is undeniably powerful, but also so gentle. And this, the next slide please. This really got me what he wrote here. We're never more fully alive and whole than when we worship. And what we're experiencing now, this inexpressibly deep sense of peace, wholeness, holiness, belonging and love is only the smallest of windows into the life for which we are made. Clearly, this is not the beatific vision of seeing Christ in all his glory, which Peter and James and John did. But what if what we are seeing is even the faintest shadow of that reality, then what lies before us is unspeakable joy and holy love. Now, I've shared before with you my millisecond glimpse of heaven's beauty and joy so I can completely relate to what he's talking about and any of us who've experienced God's touch will know exactly what he's talking about it hints at so much more to come and what is being described is something only God only Jesus can bring about not a great teacher it's Asbury a reminder to our generation that Jesus is God. That Jesus is sending the Spirit to remind us that he comes not to teach, but to transform. One of those God incidences, one of those songs I've been listening to recently, and which amazingly won the Grammy for the best Christian song of last year, I think, summarizes exactly what this theologian has been saying is going on at Asbury. It's a song called Fear is not my future, you are. Fear is not my future, you are. And some of the lyrics are on the screen there. Let him turn it in your favor. Whatever situation you're in, watch him work it for your good. He's not done with what he started. He's not done until it's good. And then the next one, let him work it for your favor. Work, watch him turn it for your good. He's done with what he started. He's not done until it's good. Hello peace, hello joy, hello love, hello strength, hello hope. It's a new horizon. 
It's a new horizon. If you're ready for a breakthrough, you can open up and just receive. Because what is pouring out is nothing you've ever seen. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, strength. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. It's a new horizon. Fear is not my future. You are. Go home, listen on YouTube to that. It will minister to you. Because fear, there is no room in him for fear. And many of us in our world today are full of anxiety about the future, about our daily bread. Will everything crash, collapse? Our world is in such turmoil. But fear is not my future. Jesus is. You are. Who do you say Jesus is? Let's pray. Abba, Daddy, thank you. Thank you for inspiring Rachel to choose that song which got me dancing. I didn't feel like dancing, but I had to dance because it was a song about the joy that you brought. And we were reminded that we will dance in the presence of God. Because fear is not my future. You are. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, the goodness of God. For Lord, all we know and value at the end of the day is you. We want you. So I just release in the name of Jesus. I release your presence afresh to your children. I release divine encounters. I release hope. I release forgiveness. I release joy. Because you came to release all those things. So do it again, Lord. Minister your healing of body, mind, and spirit to everyone here today. Because we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's of the collector, perhaps very apt today. So let's... Let's uh, say these words, remaining seated. Holy God, you know the disorder of our sinful lives. Set straight our crooked hearts and bend our wills to love your goodness and your glory. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Uh, Offertory hymn now is the goodness of God, an offertory song. We don't take a collection formally now by passing the bag. There are plates at the back. There are QR codes uh, for you if you know how to use QR codes to give electronically. Or you can give, um, fill out standing orders in the porch or give online as instructed. But let's stand and sing and thank God for his goodness.
we say, let's say the offertory prayer now. We give thanks to God for all he is blessed to pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift before you his majesty's government. We pray for all those whom you've set in political authority over us. And so, Lord, we pray especially for the government led by the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Lord, we pray for divine wisdom for he and his advisors that they may seek to do that which brings peace and prosperity to this, your united kingdom. We ask for breakthrough, that there will be an accommodation between the United Kingdom and the EU that preserves the sovereignty of the UK, but also the special position of Northern Ireland. We also ask, Lord, that as the government faces the challenges in the economic sphere, Lord, rising interest rates, high inflation, how to stimulate growth in the economy, the war in Ukraine, all the challenges facing the national government. Lord, we bring before you and we say, speak wisdom into the ears of the prime minister and the government and the opposition. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, Forgive us, because so all too often we do not live our lives in the knowledge that you are God. We treat you as a friend, as a lover, but we must never forget that you are God. And so, Lord, in these coming days, today and in the days to come, we ask for a fresh encounter for each one of your children whether through a dream, whether through hearing you, whether through your use of somebody else to bring a word to us. Lord, may we encounter the goodness of God and the glory of God afresh. Help us to go deeper in our relationship with you, to give you time. And Lord, help us not to give things up for Lent, but to give you more time in Lent. If we normally give you five minutes, Lord, help us to make it tenfold, to give you 50 minutes. If we normally give you half an hour, help us to double or triple that. Help us, Lord, to make Lent a time of giving to you giving you time, sitting at your feet like Mary instead of Martha. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, you are the God who heals, the God who transforms, who sets free. And so we ask, Lord, now that you would release all who suffer in body mind and spirit. We lift before you Victor, our brother in Christ, in hospital at this very moment. And we declare your resurrection life over him. We command him to rise from that hospital bed in full strength, in full vigor. 
because you are God and you are good. And can I invite you to name out others known to you to need God's touch today? Brian Rowley, Keith McIntyre, Norman Farrow, Sid Rawlings. Margaret, Barbara, Dawn. Thank you, Father, that you hear all whom we've lifted before you. And we break off discomfort. We stand on the testimonies from Sunyan this morning. We stand on the testimonies from those who were touched by Raj's team. You brought healing, you brought wholeness, you brought freedom. So we declare freedom in this house and freedom over those whom we've called to you. Lord, in your mercy. And finally, Father, we pray for your revival here in St. Paul's. Father, we can't all travel to Asbury, to Kentucky. So bring your revival here. Bring that same peace joy, healing, wholeness. Bring your palpable presence to this place. As we meet here, as we gather to pray, let the presence come and never leave. Let all who come in here be touched by you. Be made whole and develop a new relationship with you. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please stand? We say, to, as our Saviour taught us, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Jesus Christ.